0: You are listening to the Overwhelmed Brain. Today's episode is brought to you by GetOutOfTheMess.com. Let Asha, your legal shield associate, connect you to a legal insurance plan that's right for you. Quality attorneys at established law firms for about $20 a month. I can afford that. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old, rehashed, personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to, think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want, now. Welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. I am your host, personal empowerment coach, Paul Coliani. I am here to help you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult your physician before making any changes to your medical treatment. All right, I'm going to start the show with an email from someone who said uh, she dated a woman several months back, and she made it a point to let me know she was two years sober and into her AA slash NA thing, I think uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and maybe Narcotics Anonymous, I thought to myself, oh, cool, finally, someone who likes to work on themselves as much as I like to work on myself. But man, I was in for a real awakening. She turned out to be like your uh, funny guy. Just think positive and all your problems will go away. <laughs> if you did a podcast on that sort of person, let me know, because uh, uh, I'd love to understand more. All I got were quotes from her AA book. I could not tell her I was down about anything. She finally broke up with me because she said I'm such a negative person and she was too scared to introduce me to her friends and family, etc. This was part of a bigger email that I received from this woman I'll call Marsha. And um, I actually read another segment of this email, uh, another very interesting topic at the very end of the show. So stay tuned for that. It's about toxic people. I find it an interesting and fascinating question that she has. And I'll explore it then. But um, Marsha, yes, I get it. There are people in my life that definitely have the attitude of just think positively and everything will be okay. Uh, I think my mom is along that lines where she doesn't want to think of anything bad. So she doesn't talk about it. Uh, and what happens with these kinds of people, typically, I'm not saying always, because there are some people that can utilize or use this to their advantage and it works for them. I've talked about this before in another episode about positive thinking, but uh, positive thinking can lead to denial of what's going on in your life. Denial can lead to storing uh, negative energy or negative emotions in your body. So when you do not face something that is hurtful to you or harmful to you in some way and you don't express it, you don't uh, heal from it, it stays with you. How do you know it stays with you? You feel bad. How do you stop feeling bad? The positive thinkers will say, just think positively. That way we can cover the bad feelings. I look at that as, uh, how can I not be so graphic when I explain this? Um, you take a pile of dog crap and you paint it gold. <laughs> and you go, look, there's a pile of gold. <laughs> and now you uh, don't have to worry about the dog crap. But you know as well as I do that there is a festering, smelly pile of crap underneath that gold paint. That's probably not the best analogy, but let's just stick with it. <laughs> the This is my perception of what happens inside of our bodies. We are carrying around this uh, toxic element, and we are just covering it up. If I were holding a piece of uranium and I didn't have a radioactive suit on, it would burn my hand. If I have a radioactive suit on, then it's almost like the uranium isn't there. It's like the radioactive suit prevents me from feeling the burn. Any nuclear physicists out there can probably, you know, correct my assessment of that, but I think uranium burns, if not try plutonium. But some radioactive element uh, will burn you unless you're wearing... A protective outfit of some sort. So I see this this same thing happening where the uh, positive thinker will sometimes put on their emotional radiation suit so that they don't have to feel the radiation that is in their body. and Because you feel emotions in your body. When you laugh, you feel it. When you cry, you feel it. When you prevent yourself from crying, You feel it when you prevent yourself from getting angry. That used to be my MO. I'm not going to get angry. So I'll just stuff it way down there. And I would hold on to that. And holding on to that ate away at me inside for many, many years. And, you know, I didn't show too many of the physical symptoms externally, except in the way I behaved in the world. It came out psychologically, the way I communicated with people. Holding on to that uranium or plutonium inside my body, I found a way to protect it inside me, but I couldn't stop it from radiating out to other people. In other words, what you hold on to and cover with positive thinking will find a way into the world and give you results that you probably don't want. So, you ask me to talk about positive thinking some people who do this can go into a a state of denial and when they're in that state of denial then they pretend that they don't see things that are there and if you pretend you don't see a radioactive element then you're going to get burned it will become more and more painful throughout life and now I have a a personal belief that um, some well-known people like Deepak and other people have Uh, confirmed, and I'm not saying that they're right and I'm right, I'm just saying it's a personal belief of mine, that uh, when you hold on to negative emotions, it turns into disease. It turns into the breakdown of your body in some way. I'm not saying that's the only cause of disease. I'm saying that's one of the causes that I believe happens, is that when you hold on to these negative emotions, thinking positively can squelch those negative emotions and keep them down there Causing them to continue radiating inside your body, no matter how much uh, emotional protection you give yourself. That's what thinking positively is it's emotional protection from what you really feel. Not all the time, not for everyone. I'm just talking about the people who go into denial. Because I think it's okay to think optimistically, which is different, but somewhat the same. Uh, But if you think optimistically, then you look forward and go, you know what, everything's going to be fine no matter what. Even if I get into a car crash, it'll be fine no matter what. It's an optimistic outlook. Thinking positively, on the other hand, is going, you know what, everything's going to be fine no matter what. Uh, I know my brake line's cut, and I know this is a, a, a very steep hill, but no matter what, everything will be fine. Now you're denying a reality that might create a terrible outcome, a result. So when you go into that denial, you're setting yourself up for failure. So Marcia, when you shared with me that this woman that you dated didn't want to be around you because she said that she didn't want to hear anything but positive thoughts and positive comments, and she finally broke up with you because she said you're such a negative person and she was scared to introduce you to her friends and family, she has set up her reality to only contain certain people. Now, in the big picture, I don't have a problem with that. If she prefers to be with people that only think positively, and she's one of those people that goes into denial and doesn't see the negative side of things, and she only wants to be with people that are like her in that respect, then she's going to get what she gets. And people who are more expressive with their emotions and Will experience the full breadth of who they are in every emotional state that comes and, you know, anger and sadness and uh, feelings that may not agree with thinking positively. You can feel those and you can feel happy and joy and peace and love and all this other stuff too. It's the full breadth of the emotional experience. She doesn't want to be around people like that, which is her prerogative, her choice, but she's going to get what comes with that. And if she's around people that are also in denial, then she will get the results that people in denial get. And they aren't always positive results. So you can think positively all you want, but if you're in denial, you'll get negative results. So there's a problem with that line of thinking when you're in denial. This is why I am sort of against just positive thinking, because it might cover something that's really going on inside of you. Now, like I said, sometimes positive thinking works for people who aren't repressing. Because I love the idea of a positive world. I love the idea of everyone thinking positively and, you know, loving their fellow man, woman, and child, and in between. I would love for everyone to be able to do that and have positive thoughts for all, but not at the expense of sacrifice inside yourself. And I mean, Sacrifice of feeling the negative emotions that are present if they're present. If you feel sad, you should feel sad. You should bring that up, express it, feel it, be with yourself, go connect with yourself in nature, go share it with friends, do whatever you need to do to feel sad. You know, get through it. And then you can feel whatever the next emotion is. You have to go through these experiences so that they don't get stuck in your body. And when I say stuck in your body, I just mean like, you know, when I was denying my anger for so long, 30 plus years, I developed stomach issues. I developed ulcers and indigestion and bad breath, and it just wasn't working. I didn't know I was repressing anger at the time, but after I found out and was able to release some of the anger by expressing it and honoring myself and standing up for myself, uh, suddenly my stomach problems went away and I started putting the pieces together Uh, Going, wow. So if I hold on to negative emotions, it affects me in ways that I never connected the dots on before. It it affects my stomach. It affects my health. This is crazy. I got to pay attention to this stuff. And that was one of the pivotal moments in my life when I realized that my life of trying to think positively, because I was one of those people, uh, not so much to the extreme that you might see. (laughs) I just thought nothing was wrong, but. There were things wrong. Uh, once that stuff started coming out, I started expressing it. I started crying from it. I started healing from it. I started uh, being angry about it and allowing that full breadth of emotional experience to happen. Then I started feeling release and relief and life changed. Life got better. That's why I want you to express the full breadth of your emotions. I mean, yes, you have to choose Uh, your the situation and the people that you're with to express those in front of you don't have to necessarily uh, cry in front of your boss and i mean unless that's appropriate i don't know Uh, you don't necessarily have to get angry in front of your children i mean there are the, the right times for those emotions but the idea is just not leave them in there don't leave them repressed express them If you've heard me talk about depression, I believe depression is a three-step process. You suppress your thoughts. So if you want to say something to someone and you don't, that's a suppression of thought. If you want to express yourself to particular people, but you're afraid to, that's, um, again, suppression of thought. Suppression of thought leads to repression of emotion. So you want to say something to someone and you're really angry with them. So if you suppress your thought, you suppress that expression, then you repress the emotion because you choose not to get angry at them. So now you have this stored energy inside of you, this emotional energy. So your suppression of thought leads to repression of emotion, leads to depression. And depression is when your emotions are stored for a long enough period of time in a deep enough place inside of you that you end up feeling almost nothing at all. It's like when you stop your negative emotions, you also stop the positive emotions. They're all drawn from the same pool. So if you want the quickest path to depression, don't ever tell anyone what's on your mind. When you get upset, don't ever tell anyone that you're upset. And um, don't ever express the emotions to friends or family or therapists. And um, all you have to do is swallow every thought and negative emotion that you want to express into the world. Just keep swallowing those things and you will become depressed. That's how depression happens. And um, some people like to avoid depression by thinking positively. If I think positively enough, then I won't feel depressed. My solution is to start expressing those deep, dark thoughts and emotions that you have. If you don't have the capacity to do that with the people that you really want to express them to, then express them to someone else. But get them out of your system. If they stay down there and they're stuffed down there, they stay down there and then they turn into something you don't want. And again, in my opinion, they turn into illness. They turn into disease. And that's happened in my own experience, including depression. Everything I just described has happened to me, which is also why I know how to get out of those physical issues and depression because I just reverse engineered the process. Oh, I don't suppress a thought. I express a thought. Wow. I didn't stuff it down. Oh, I have this anger. I'm going to express this anger. Oh, I didn't swallow it. And now there's no depression. It doesn't lead to that. I know I've simplified it. And I know there's probably a lot of other ways to get to depression. But that has been my experience. And if you follow those steps, in my belief, you will get to depression. I'm not saying it's the only way. I'm just saying if you follow those steps, you will likely get to depression. So anyway, when you are co-mingling with people and relating to people, that have this think positively uh attitude it's not necessary to you know blame them or cause them to feel bad about that uh or point out that hey you're probably just in denial i think it's important just to be open and willing to listen and be that safe person they can express anything with because there's going to be a point where someone in denial is going to want to express And if you can provide a continuously safe area for them to do that, great. You may not be equipped to continue to be that person because you may want to express yourself and the think positively in denial crowd, it may not want to hear anything but positivity coming out of you. So if you have anything negative to say and you're around one of those think positive people then you will probably not last in any type of relationship with them, which it sounds like what happened to you, Marsha. And uh, one thing I'd like to add, and this is going to be a little bit controversial, <laughs> and I don't mean to put anyone down, but um, I've seen this kind of person come out of good programs like AA. I call AA a good program because it's done nothing but wonders and good things for the world, from what I've seen, and from the people I've talked to who've been in it. I mean, people's lives have changed tremendously for the better. And in fact, uh, one of my clients told me that the big red book that they're given is a lot of the stuff that I teach on this show. And I've never studied that big red book, but apparently it's uh, old wisdom, I guess. (laughs) And uh, if you follow this old wisdom, it uh, will work in your life. However, I think some people must skip one of the steps <laughs> along the way. There's probably a step or two that that is skipped because I do see some, a very, very small percentage of people that come out of these programs with a slightly different version of how to behave in the world. And what I mean by that is that it, it just seems like there's a tad bit of Reality that's no longer there, or their grasp on reality that's no longer there. I have seen, think positively, people come out of these programs, or maybe they're still in the program, and don't want anything negative in their life because they were taught to not allow toxic people in their life or alcoholics in their life. So they they might generalize it to anyone that's toxic, anyone that says anything bad. And as long as they're away from that element, then they can go through life without issues. They can be happy. So I've seen a small percentage of people do this. I don't know if that's taught in AA, at least directly. But if you have been in any type of program like this or in that program directly, then I I don't want you to disregard the idea that if you only expose yourself to positive people in this respect like they only think positively they never show you the other side of them then you are going to get some not so great results again this is controversial (laughs) it's only been my experience i didn't i didn't take a survey i'm just saying that with the clients i've worked with and their significant others i've seen people come out of these programs that um, most of them are great leading great lives and then the small percentage of them they have a different understanding of how to relate to other people and they seem a little bit disconnected from what I would call reality or at least uh, methods of communication that seem more emotionally connected so that's all I'm going to say about this I absolutely encourage anyone To look into AA, it's a lot of the same teachings as you find here. If you are in any type of addictive relationship where you're the addict, they're the addict, whatever, there's, I don't know, CoAnon, like Codependence Anonymous. There's Al-Anon. There's the partners of Al-Anon. There's uh, ACOA, like Adult Children of Alcoholics, which I am, and all kinds of programs out there. And uh, a lot of them are fantastic. You just have to be aware that not everyone applies the teachings the same way. And so this is why I'm telling you, Marsha, is that it's possible that the program that she took is terrific. It's just she didn't apply it in a way that kept her uh, emotionally connected to uh, other people or maybe there's a part of reality that she doesn't want to face. So she goes into that denial space, that think positively space. And you just have to accept that that's who they are. You may not be able to have a relationship with someone that is emotionally disconnected or at least Somewhat distance from reality like that. And that's just something to keep in mind. For the most part, I've had good friends that came out of their program better than ever. So, Marsha, there's my take on uh, positive thinkers. I hope that helps, at least with the ones that are in denial. The other ones that are positive thinkers that um, are loving life and living their life, good for you. (laughs) If you can do that, I am 100% behind that. Keep going. I, myself, think positively and negatively. I think across the spectrum. It just happens. I like to experience it all. It gives me the contrast I need to continue moving through life motivated and encouraged to continue learning more and doing more and, of course, healing more. Thanks for your letter, Marsha. We'll be right back. I want to tell you about someone I know very well. Her name is Asha. She's an independent associate for Legal Shield, and you can find her at the website Getoutofthemess.com. And she has been a plethora of knowledge for me and many other people who have called her regarding all kinds of things in life. I mean, she's owned her own business, she knows about taxes, she knows about raising children and being in an abusive relationship. She survived uh, sexual abuse when she was a child. She was brilliant in school and she's brilliant in music. She is like um, an astrophysicist. No, she's not really, but I see her that way. She's just brilliant in so many ways, which is why I love tapping her for information. (laughs) Anything to do with taxes, I can ask her. I'm not saying that you should call her and ask her about that because that's not what she does, but it's just nice to know that I have someone that I can just talk to about questions that I don't know anything about. And um, this is why she got into uh, Legal Shield. She became an independent uh, associate because she wanted to provide a service that you could ask any question about anything to. And anytime you have a question about, the legality of something or the illegality of something, if that's even a word, uh, you can contact your Legal Shield representative and ask them that question. That Legal Shield representative is a real attorney. You can talk to attorneys for like $20 a month. And when Asha doesn't know, then I have to call <laughs> Legal Shield or she has to call Legal Shield because we both have the service. And uh, what she does, her primary role, and just in case you've been listening to this show a long time and you still don't know what her primary role is, is to connect you with the right service. So if you're looking for a resource that you can call anytime you need legal advice, legal information, then have Asha connect you with Legal Shield. You can call her at 678-355-8777. And what she'll do is she'll answer your question to find out if this service is right for you. She doesn't like to sell it to anyone. She wants to connect it with people who can actually use it. So if you have any questions regarding if this service would be beneficial to you, give her a call. 678-355-8777 or visit her website at getoutofthemess.com. I know she's getting to the point where she's just directing me to my law firm now. (laughs) She goes, I don't know. I'm not an attorney. Here's (laughs) Call your law firm. That's why I set you up. I'm like, okay. (laughs) so give her a call 678-355-8777 welcome back I'm going to read you another email from someone I am going to call Bob Bob has a question about his marriage He says, my wife and I have been married for a year and together for several years. My wife is about 15 years younger than me, and I have two kids. She's been an excellent step-parent and mother to my children, and if we do anything close to 100% great, it's parenting. However, as our relationship has grown, the conflicts between the two of us has increased. Sometimes it's simple little conflicts that explode into huge fights, while other times it's a deep-seated issue that we attempt to address, but it also ends in a fight. In general, I feel that my wife is constantly on the defense toward me. If I share any concern, hurt feeling, or opinion, it is very often met immediately with a defensive statement. These responses, to one level or another, are how I feel my wife responds to most things that have a negative connotation to them. I have total responsibility in kind for many times dealing with her concerns in the same way. However, I have worked very hard to better myself And learn how to not react and handle these situations better. Where we seem to run into a brick wall is when I try to keep the conversation focused on the issue, discuss the actions that caused the hurt, and find resolution. Often my wife will not stay focused on the subject, especially when it's something she did, and she'll attack with uh, words like always and never and like last time. And generally she'll become totally attacking in a yelling and ultimatum way. To pile on that, the physical affection portion of our relationship is almost non-existent in this i feel that i have been the one to make efforts to connect in these ways through touch play compliments initiation etc i don't feel that my wife has taken efforts to address this large issue that i have brought up for over a year now she says that because we aren't emotionally connected she doesn't feel as strong of a physical connection which i can understand However, I have continued to expand my learning through several podcasts, articles, etc., to increase our emotional connection and work on myself. We have gone to couples therapy, and my wife has done a few others. However, when I have shared my podcasts and articles with her, there is little to no response. In fact, I asked her to listen to some specific episodes, and she never did because she said she was busy. I accepted that and never bugged her about it at all. Then she yelled at me because I had gotten busy at work and forgot to reschedule a therapy session stating that I wasn't into the process and that she was very hurt and disappointed about that. I tried to point out that, you know, we were both busy, and I didn't attack her for her lack of progress, and I would appreciate that she doesn't attack me. She then began yelling at me, that's not the same thing. This is more often how she responds when I try to draw a comparison to something that she doesn't want me to do that she ends up doing herself. Anyway, I find myself in a dark place where I feel very alone and defensive in the relationship. My efforts to communicate with my wife have resulted in further reclusion into myself. I'm looking for any advice you can offer to help protect myself and my boundaries and to repair my marriage. Thank you, Bob. Okay, Bob, thank you for sharing that. And uh, yes, I understand where you're coming from. I think a good portion of the listening audience has probably been in a similar situation, if not right now, where things start off as little spats. They turn into giant arguments and then there are just massive conflicts that don't seem to go away, and every little thing from the toothpaste cap off to the toilet seat left up is a major major issue that uh seems unresolvable. so where I go with this is that there is a beginning to this: there is a point of origin where this started, and uh, it may have several points of origin, but I bet it's something. Uh, major. Like when you look back when your relationship first started, how were things then? And then when did those things change? When did she become more defensive? When did you become more defensive? Did something happen in your relationship that caused this? For example, I can look back at my marriage and pinpoint The exact moment things changed and that's when I started becoming judgmental uh, toward my wife for her eating challenge, for her emotional eating. As soon as I started becoming judgmental about that, our life changed. I was constantly in trigger mode. She was more defensive, I was more defensive and it sucked. (laughs) It It was a terrible, terrible way to live life. And we would have great times and we would have terrible times. But I can certainly pinpoint a moment that if it hadn't happened, how things would be different. So that's your step one is to pinpoint when things changed. Did you do something? Did she do something? Did uh, something happen that uh, changed her mind, that changed your mind, that made you upset? I mean, sometimes It's something that uh, makes one of you upset. It comes out and and you yell about it and you scream about it, but it's never resolved. And that one thing explodes into everything. And this is why it's important to figure out when things started to change. You can usually figure it out if uh, one of you is vocal about it. For example, and I'm just going to use a mundane example. That one day you left the toothpaste cap off. I don't even think that exists anymore. We have flip caps now. (laughs) Well, there's some that have the twist tops. But let's just say that was that. Uh, You left the toothpaste cap off and ever since that day I've been upset with you. You know, let's just say it's that. You can tell it's that if they bring it up in the most um, upset moments. If it wasn't for that toothpaste cap, I would never be upset with you. If the same thing keeps coming up over and over again, then there's some resolution that needs to take place around that moment. We need to really dig into that moment and find out why it was so offensive. Why were you so offended that I left the toothpaste cap off? I mean, to you, it might be she's just being ridiculous, which, of course, may feel invalidating to her. If you ever said anything like that that feels invalidating, you're just being ridiculous, just a toothpaste cap. To her, it could have been a deep emotional wounding. It could have been, wow, this is how my husband treats me by invalidating my emotions. And I'm sure she's not thinking this, but feeling it. uh, Then how can I ever trust him? How can I ever feel safe with him? How can I ever love him? So I really want you to go back in time and think about when this started or when it became worse or something and try to remember a moment. When things changed, so uh, along that same lines, from what you're describing, everything that she's getting defensive about and yelling about and getting upset uh probably aren't the issue. In fact, what I'm sensing here is that there's something bigger that's unspoken because someone who gets so defensive over that type of thing has something that they really want to say but they're not saying it. This is how uh, unspoken thoughts and emotions, we were just talking about that in the last segment, actually, this is how they manifest. They become lashing out. They become incredible overreactions. And and when it's left unspoken, then everything is fair game, no matter what you do. You can put the toothpaste cap back on, but it's too tight. Now, That's game for an emotional overreaction. You can leave one dish out when you're supposed to wash all the dishes. That's game for an emotional overreaction. All of this stuff is open game for an emotional overreaction of some sort because she may still have something that she doesn't really want to talk about because talking about it might mean admitting something that she doesn't want to admit that might hurt her, that might hurt you. And I'll just say it. I'll be... Frank, I'll be blunt. Maybe she doesn't feel love towards you anymore. That's just one of many possibilities, but this is what happened to in my life. This is how it manifested for me when I was in that 13-year relationship. The girl I was with started falling out of love with me. And she knew that I was so sensitive, and I'm just making a guess here. I'm assuming she didn't tell me because I was so sensitive that she didn't want to hurt my feelings. She still loved me, but she wasn't in love with me. So by telling me, it would hurt me too much. If it hurt me, she would feel bad about that. She doesn't want to hurt me. But what manifested was uh, the last two years of our relationship uh, having no intimacy. It was just gone. So when there's something unspoken, when somebody is afraid or doesn't want to face the consequences of that unspoken thing, then it comes out in other ways because I can almost guarantee you that everything that she's defensive about isn't what she's really upset about. There's something underneath that. Now, one other thing that you mentioned was uh, where you seem to run into a brick wall is when you try to keep the conversation focused on the issue, you discuss the actions that cause the hurt, and then you find the resolution. The way you describe that to me and the way your... um, Emails written seems to be more along the lines of analytical than emotional. I'm not saying that you're disconnected from your emotions because it sounds like you're doing the work, but it sounds like when you have these conversations, you're trying to rationalize and she is uh, emotionalizing, if you want to call it that. So if she's in an emotional space and you're meeting her with logic, you can't meet, there's no middle ground. There's nothing common to connect with. If she needs you emotionally and you're showing up logically saying, I don't know what you're upset about. This is exactly what happened. I'll show you A, B, C, D, E, F. That's why it happened that way. She's not going to meet you there. She'll never meet you there. What she's looking for isn't logic. She's not looking for that. She's looking for something else, probably at an emotional level. So there's nothing wrong with the way you wrote your email to me. In fact, even at the end, you said, I find myself in a dark place where I feel very alone and defensive in the relationship. I mean, there's some connection to emotion right there. My efforts to communicate with my wife have resulted in further reclusion into myself. I'm looking for any advice you can offer to protect, help me protect my boundaries and repair my marriage. There are some logical sounding statements in there, but uh, I really like how you said, I find myself in a dark place. I mean, how does that feel to be in that dark place? Because this is probably what your wife needs to hear. I feel scared. I feel alone. I feel like if I if I can't please you, then I'm not worthy. I I feel rejected. I feel abandoned. I feel this and this and this. And really feel those things if you feel them. Because if your wife is in an emotional space, she needs to connect emotionally. And I find this in a lot of couples where one is more logical and rational and the other one is more emotional and they can never seem to to see eye to eye. They can't find common ground. The emotional person will be like, you just don't understand. The logical person is like, you don't understand. <laughs> and they're coming at it from two different angles. So how can you meet in the middle? Well, let me put it this way. With the emotional person, it's so rare that they're going to meet you at a logical place when they're in their emotions. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm saying when they're in the emotional state, they need an emotional connection. Now, what does that mean? It's different for every single situation. But I guarantee you this, if my girlfriend was crying and she felt scared, I'm going to feel protective and loving toward her and show her that I'm there for her. I'm not going to explain anything to her. I'm just going to say, hey, I'm here for you. And if she pushes me away and she just says, I'm mad at you, <laughs> which is possible, <laughs> then I'm not going to jump into automatic defense saying, well, you have no right to be mad at me because I didn't do anything wrong. I'm going to ask questions like, oh, my God, what do they do? Well, you you said that you didn't like the way I drive. And instead of going, well. You drive terribly. <laughs> this is a fake conversation. Uh, just So don't jump to any conclusions here. But let's just say I said that. You drive terribly. Now I'm on the defense. I'm not connecting with her emotionally. I'm explaining to her why I feel the way I feel. That explaining is very hard for someone in an emotional state to, to connect with. The explaining is almost an invalidation of where they are. And then she might say something like, you're so awful. I can't believe you think I'm a bad driver. And I could continue my argument. Well, you are. I've seen you not use your blinker. I've seen you weave in and out of traffic. I could explain all of that. And then I'm right. (laughs) Then as long as I'm right, I win the argument. And I keep my dignity and my integrity. And is it that important to keep those things? Is it that important to be right just to prove her wrong? Where I like to go is, why are you so upset about this? And now she might get mad at that. You don't know why I'm upset about this? So I might say, well, how how have I upset you? I don't want to upset you. Then she might say something like, you make me feel like you don't love me. You make me feel like you don't respect me. You make me feel X, Y, Z. She may say anything from that point on. And now I'm looking for those emotional words that I can connect with and go, Wait, you, you think I don't love you? Oh my God, that's not true at all. I love you so much. Well, why would you say something so disrespectful? And now you can tell where she's coming from. She feels disrespected. The person that she loves and is supposed to feel the safest with, she feels disrespected by? Boy, suddenly I'm starting to get a bigger picture of what's going on in her mind and in her heart, of course. I'll go, Wow, I respect you more than anything. I've seen the way. You uh, handle yourself, and I'm just so proud of you. I'm going to say these things because I really believe them, and I do respect her, absolutely. And then I might think, geez, you know, if she feels all of this from something I said, which in my mind, sure, I might think she's a bad driver, but if she thinks I disrespect her and don't love her and all this other stuff, then I'm going to back off and go, you know what? I feel really bad that I called you a bad driver. That was not nice of me. That was not nice of me and I and I wish I could take it back. I feel awful. You know what that does for her? It shows her that I acknowledge her emotional state and that I'm actually connecting with her in an emotional way. I'm actually finding a path to connect with her. But you got to work on it being genuine. If you're not generally a, an emotional person and you try to connect with her emotionally, Don't make it just about words. Well, if I say these words, she'll be happier. (laughs) She'll be more comfortable. Really connect and try to feel where she is. If you felt unloved, how would that feel like? If you felt disrespected, how would that feel like? Again, you want to listen for those emotional words coming out of her. And that's what you focus on. And then you realize what you're doing to cause her to behave in such a way cause her to react again it's rarely about what's happening in the moment it's more about something stored in there or something that you've activated because there's an emotional space that she gets into that you may need to connect with if you don't connect with it you've lost it and she's going to have something unspoken something unhealed something unresolved for next time and it's going to continue being there and probably continue to get worse So that's my only advice to you is that look for that origination. Try to figure out where it started. And maybe you can uh, unravel some mystery there. And then, of course, connect with her in that emotional space. Don't focus on being right. Don't focus on trying to fix her, trying to explain, trying to get into your logical mind and connect all the dots. Listen for those emotional words and figure out what she needs inside And then really genuinely try to connect with those needs. That's the best path of success that I can think of for your situation where it's just explosion after explosion because there's something unresolved. There's some unmet need and hopefully you can meet her needs and uh, open up some more healthy dialogue in the future. I wish you both the best. Thank you again, Bob, for writing and thanks for listening. Uh, We'll be right back say some thank yous and close the show with um, something else I'll talk about. <laughs> Be right back. Thank you for listening to another episode of the overwhelmed brain. I want to thank today's sponsor, Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. This is a great service. Uh, She calls it legal insurance and she uses it, I don't know, once a week. (laughs) I I think that's exaggerating. She does use it a lot and uh, asks them any questions that come to mind. And so can you. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, give her a call at 678-355-8777. And just ask her if this service is right for you. You can also visit her website at getoutofthemess.com. And let me ask you something. We talk about relationships a lot in the overwhelmed brain. Are you in a relationship that you feel is, I don't know, all about the other person? Do you ever get your needs met or are they placed aside in a way that seems justified but feels wrong? Is your intuition telling you one thing but your partner converses it away as if it were nonsense? If so, get the mean workbook. It's going to reveal some pretty deep, unspoken behavior in your relationship and may give you and your partner just what you need to talk about, what might be covert or even overt manipulation or emotional abuse. If you feel like you're going crazy in your relationship and you don't even know if you can trust yourself or your instincts, get the mean workbook. Work on it by yourself or even with your partner. There are some truths that you may not even know about and then there are some that you may not want to know but it's about time you learned what they were so that you can start healing and growing together or just figure out that it's not meant to be. Visit theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash mean, M-E-A-N. And I want to thank the patron members for their support of this show. The patron program is a great way to show your support if you've received value from this show. And I also give back by offering private episodes, workbooks, worksheets, and even email coaching, which I've received a lot of good feedback on. Visit patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com if you're interested in supporting the show like that or just want um, all the goodies that come with it. And thank you to existing patron members that have shown their support all this time. And another way to show your support, you don't have to become a patron, but you can click on the Amazon link at the website, theoverwhelmedbrain.com. The Amazon link is the easiest way to give back. So if you've been listening for a long time or just today, use that Amazon link every time you shop. Your shopping habits make a difference and are a great way to support the show. Finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. All right, as I told you, I'm going to read you another segment of an email that I received from someone I call Marsha. And she asked a great question on the word toxic. She said, there seems to be a popular buzzword describing a broad range of characteristics in people, and it gives me a headache every time I hear it. The word is toxic. I'm not even sure if it's a noun, adjective, or verb, but I hear it being used all the time. I hear it from friends. They'll say, that's it, I'm deleting all the toxic people in my life, and it feels great. But most often I read it in many self-help or advice columns, even in your podcast. Before the word toxic, what was used? Angry? Cruel? Broken? Hurt? Or perhaps even evil? To me, calling someone toxic puts the blame on you for not being able to handle someone else's behavior. We all have issues and pain that needs healing in our life, and not everyone's personality or energy is going to resonate together. But to call someone toxic, rather than saying something like, their personality slash behavior makes me uncomfortable and I don't know how to handle it, seems like a cop-out. For example, I have an alcoholic uncle who I've witnessed being abusive to many of my family members, and I've seen him go into psychotic rages. It'd be a no-brainer to call him toxic, but I know better. He was hurt so bad from a divorce and other things from his past and never got whatever healing he needed. He's a drunk, unhappy, and totally dependent on his sisters who coddle him and won't get him the psychological help or meds he needs. Because he's family and living with my folks, I have no choice but to learn how to safely interact with him, but at a distance. Another example would be me being described by the last woman I dated. I don't see myself as being negative or toxic in any way, nor do my friends, colleagues, or family but she did in the short amount of time that she knew me. She could not handle the range of emotions that might stir her world up out of her control. Maybe that is the reason why people label other people toxic to begin with. It's a type of behavior we see in others that we feel we are not equipped to handle as we may lose control. Does that make sense? So my point is, by calling someone the vague word toxic, we are really blaming the other person for a weakness that we have within ourselves. Perhaps better communication between people Or just the acceptance that the other person is going through something and that their behavior triggered some sort of fear in us is what we need to address. I just feel people should be a little bit more compassionate and patient with each other and not be so quick to write someone off by name calling and then running away. Because we'll keep meeting this sort of person with this behavior again and again. And we can't keep pointing fingers, blaming and running when we can grow more by learning how to be present with them. And you give great examples of how to do this in your podcast all the time. I'm not saying we have to interact with everyone we don't want to, but sometimes like at work or with family, we have to. All right. Thank you, Marsha. Like I said earlier, this is a uh, very interesting question and I wanted to address it because I do use the word toxic a lot. (laughs) I use the word toxic all the time. When I think of toxic, it is a um, analogous to, you know, toxic waste. And somebody might go, you're, you're labeling someone as toxic waste. And that's not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm trying to do. Although I do know people in my life that I would equate to toxic waste at some level. It's true. I have this in me. I can look at them and go, they are just like toxic waste. I do not need that person in my life. I choose to be without that person. That's not what I mean when I say the word toxic, but I can understand how you might see that um, calling someone toxic is really not giving them the compassion, the empathy, uh, the understanding that you might need to give. So here's my take on this. Um, When I use the word toxic about someone, I think of it as the effect of toxicity. I'm not necessarily saying that they are some sort of toxic element that everyone should avoid. Although, again, sometimes I might mean that. Depends on the person. But in general, I believe a toxic person is capable of causing harm to you. Regardless of your level of personal growth, even me in the space I'm in now of everything I learned about personal boundaries, about values, about showing up in the world authentically, about standing up for myself no matter what, even now, I still consider my stepfather toxic to me. Why is that? Well, it's not that I can't handle his behavior or how he behaves around me and other people, it's that I choose not to. And I think that's a big difference. I understand what you're saying. You're saying that, hey, if someone is uh, toxic around you, what do you need to do to become the person to be able to handle that behavior? Or uh, look at that behavior in another way. Like, hey, hurt people, hurt people. Abuse people, abuse people. So that person's abused, so we should have compassion for the person who was abused that continues to abuse. We should have compassion for that person. I'll talk on that in a moment. The idea, though, that you can make a choice to not be with someone, not because you can't handle it, but because you don't want a toxic element in your life, is where I go with it. It's true, I could make the choice to go, you know what, that person has behavior that I don't agree with and being around that person is unpleasant but I can handle it so therefore I will be in that person's presence and be the the most evolved person I can be around that person so that I don't feel the effects of toxicity. I could do that. But then I have to look at my, my values and my personal boundaries and go, wait, people with that kind of behavior I don't allow into my life I don't want them in my life That is a boundary violation I have set up specific boundaries in my life That people that do this XYZ behavior I don't want to be around Not because I can't handle it But because I choose higher quality people That sounds like I'm segregating (laughs) It sounds like I'm putting people into classifications I am I do put some people into classification. There's two classifications toxic and non toxic. (laughs) So, if you don't like the word toxic, then that probably doesn't resonate with you. But um, there are certain elements of personal growth that you learn over the years that you apply to your life and you stick with it because it's working. And when you go, Wow, my life turns out better when this person isn't in it, I am happier when this person isn't in it. I am more at peace when this person isn't in it. Sure, I could act like the Dalai Lama and accept everyone for who they are, no matter how abusive they are, no matter how what I call toxic they are, no matter what, I could do that if I wanted to. But I have other priorities in my life. I would rather spend my time, energy, and focus on the people I love to be with than the people that I need to really try hard to be compassionate for. Don't get me wrong. I have a lot of compassion for hurt people. And I even have compassion for my stepfather who's done some heinous things. I have compassion for him, but he's still toxic. It's the and both. He is hurt. I feel bad for him. I wish he would learn what he's doing is uh, toxic to him and other people. And I have compassion enough for me to not put my time and energy toward him. When I think of all the people that deserve my time and energy, he is not one of them. He is by my definition, for the benefit of me being the happiest, most at peace, least stressed I can be, he is one of those people I consider outside the circle. I don't allow those toxic elements inside my circle. My choice And I'm all on board with what you said. If you are okay and feel okay after every interaction with the toxic person or whatever you call them, and it doesn't affect you negatively, and you can walk out the door just as happy as you walked in the door before you saw them, then by all means, continue to relate and communicate with those types of people. I personally don't want to spend my time with those types of people. And let me give you one unless... (laughs) I don't spend my time with those types of people unless they say, I'm working on myself. So by all means, hang out, chill out, be friends, be family members. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having the people that you find more difficult in your life as long as it doesn't make your life more difficult. Go for it. To me, they're toxic. And when I've already learned my lesson with those toxic people, then I choose not to be with them anymore. And that's the magic of it, actually, is that when you've learned your lesson with a toxic person, they usually aren't around anymore. I mean, typically. Not always. Sometimes you're kind of stuck because it's family or whatever. But uh, usually when you've gotten to a point in your life where you've learned the lessons that needed to be learned with the toxic person, they usually aren't around anymore. Not always. Uh, I, I won't speak all the time. But I've seen that happen in my life over and over again. This person's real toxic they keep showing up this person's real toxic they keep showing up this is affecting me this is affecting me this is affecting me and then suddenly I change my behavior toward them because I feel stronger in myself because I show more compassion toward myself and uh, then my life gets better because they don't show up anymore so contrary to what you feel about the word toxic I don't feel that I'm blaming someone else for weakness in me I feel like I'm thanking them for the strength in me you know it's funny because I was just talking to my girlfriend yesterday about how basketball players will always go up to the mic and after a big game that they won and they say oh, I want to thank God for uh, giving me the skills to win the game and you know things like that and and I think it's funny that what if one of them came up and said I think I heard this in like The theonion.com or something or one of the basketball players came up and said yeah, I'd like to thank the devil. He gave me the strength and the power to win this game. And I was like, what would that be like? And then I, I, when I heard that, I was like, you know, that's funny. I thank the devil all the time. And my girlfriend's like, what are you talking about? i like, I thank my stepfather wholeheartedly for who I am today. And she laughed and uh, then felt a little uncomfortable but laughed. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, he's not really the devil. But it kind of feels that way. I'm not thanking someone who was wonderful to me i'm thanking someone who was awful to me and my family and everyone else i know (laughs) he was so awful in so many ways and i am so grateful for him in that respect he's still toxic but i'm so thankful for him in my life there's no way i would know what i know had it not been for him there's no way i would have the overwhelmed brain because my life would have turned out so much differently i mean maybe But I'm pretty sure that if he disappeared early in my life, I would probably have a lot different life. Who knows? But I'm still grateful for his existence in my life. And the man I became has a lot to do with him. Now, I did all the work. (laughs) He started it all. He was the impetus. And I had to go through a lot of dysfunction and a lot of figuring things out and a lot of lost relationships, a lot of pain. But eventually I got to the point where I can heal from this. And when I started healing, and started realizing that, oh, without all this dysfunction in my life, I couldn't have become this worldwide coaching guy on a podcast. (laughs) I just couldn't have done it. So I'm super grateful for him. So I consider his toxicity, I'm still going to use that word, I love it, (laughs) in my life as my strength. He made me who I am in so many ways and he didn't even try. I don't think he tried to do it the opposite way either. I don't think he tried to break me down. He just showed up as who he was and then I became who I was because he showed up as who he was. So I I do see the ability to choose who we want to be with as a strength, as something that is very powerful inside of us. That is empowerment to me is having more choices to respond, behave, react. All those choices lead to power. And of course, if you can walk out the door with that power and you were with a toxic person for all that time, more power to you. You definitely have something that a lot of people don't have. Now you do mention that you feel that people should be a little bit more compassionate and patient with each other and not be so quick to write someone off by name calling and then running away. I don't have a problem with name calling and standing right there. (laughs) I don't have a problem with standing in someone's face and saying, you are very toxic. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying that's the way I'm built. But I like to open up the dialogue. I don't like to teach, hey, that person's toxic, run away. I like to say, hey, that person's toxic. Let's talk to them about it. Or if they're dangerous, here's another element to this. Some toxic people are dangerous. They are physically dangerous. I absolutely consider those people toxic. Stay away from the dangerous people. Stay away from the violent people. But if you have to deal with them and they're not physically dangerous or violent, then why not say, hey, look, your behavior is unacceptable. I don't like it. Not everyone can do that. A lot of people can't do that and won't do that. And I'm not saying you have to. But I am all for someone who's in a space that yes may need more healing to do with this person but to stay away from the person my whole point with toxic people when you have them in your life and no matter what you do no matter how much you heal no matter how well you show up how authentic you show up and they're still causing problems in your life and they're lying to you and they're betraying you when those kinds of toxic people are in your life and they won't stop doing it I mean, who knows? They're stealing from you. There's all kinds of ways for someone to be toxic. And you've tried everything you can. Then it's good to distance yourself from them. I always say you can love and be compassionate from afar. Just love and be compassionate from afar. It's not running away. It's protecting yourself. And if you really feel like people should work on themselves to the point where they keep those kinds of people in their life no matter what, then I might start to point at a little bit of enabling the only reason I say that is because if we choose to stay around people who are toxic and they can see that they're not driving anyone away then what gives them the incentive to change I mean sure you can have a conversation with them but hey you're still coming over all the time so I guess what I'm doing isn't so bad that you never leave I like to give toxic people accountability if you still behave this way I won't be here anymore. How about that? (laughs) You will be held accountable. Because if I don't show you accountability, then you'll continue to behave in a way that is damaging to our relationship and damaging maybe to other people too. So I'm not going to stick around while you behave that way. So I'm going to say that uh, maybe we can agree to disagree on this, Marsha. I mean, I still didn't give you my definition of toxic. (laughs) Maybe I will. I'll give you my definition of toxic. Are you ready? Let's call it an adjective. (laughs) Toxic is a person or environment that makes you feel ill. And that's regardless of your level of personal growth. Because my goal isn't for you to become compassionate toward those who abuse you. My goal is for you to feel empowered enough To walk away from the abuser with strength and courage knowing that you are doing the right thing for you and if the abuser suddenly becomes enlightened one day and says oh my god I've been abusive all this time I just realized it and I am so sorry I'm going to get help and I need to get healed then you have a choice whether you want to be around that person anymore but until that exists when the person or the environment makes you ill, regardless of your level of personal growth, and you choose to be away from that person or environment, that is empowering you to learn, grow, heal, and evolve. And let's just say you're right. Let's just say that we haven't developed compassion enough for the hurt people that hurt people, for the abused people that abuse people. If that's true, then we still need to be away from them for us to go through our healing because being around them keeps us under their influence in their toxic space and when we're in that toxic space we don't have clarity within ourselves there's always a cloud following us and we're not sure how to get to a better place in ourselves so absolutely just like I did I spent many many years away from my stepfather and if I hadn't been gone if I hadn't been distant from him. I don't believe I would ever have come to a level where I could face him again from a strong place inside me and actually defy him and deny him from being toxic toward me again. And if you've heard my show, you've heard me talk about it. I defied him. <laughs> I told him to go away and he wasn't welcome. And that was the hardest thing to do. But I don't believe I would have had that strength or courage, or confidence to do that had I not been away from his influence for that long. So there's my opinion. Whether you agree or not, that's fine. (laughs) I just know that there are some people I don't want in my life and some people I do want, and I love pouring my precious time and energy into those people instead of the ones that really don't have my best interest in mind. But maybe that's just me. So what I'm going to do is just keep an open mind. And step into my power, and I'll be firm in my decisions and actions. And I want you to do the same thing. Step into your power, be firm in your decisions and actions too, so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true without a doubt, you are amazing.